y'all, I'm so fucking pumped. This is so fucking tasty. Even though y'all are listening to me from 26 years in the past, I know that this very special nice episode number will bring you to a delicious audio climax like it does me. It's episode 69, my babies. From the station 694.2 PTBP. I'm Wolf the Dog, and I'm from the future. You are whoever the fuck you are from the past. Let's get it, y'all. Let's intertwine like the good number six and nine and bring each other to a new plane of existence where pleasure is the only thing we can feel as we become one sexy, oily blob together in the corners of space-time. The... So anyway, this week's Howlin' with Wolf comes from Mandy, at Sketchy Pixels, who tweeted about the show and tagged that pretending pod. They write, Hello, Wolf the Dog. Ah, woo! Long-time contention-based fan of the show here, and I had a question for you. I don't know how much you know about tabletop games or role-playing, but I'm hoping to get a regular group here in contention to play. I have experience running a couple games and would love to host a new group since my last group kind of vanished. I posted around town about meeting up at the library. No one's really showed up yet, and the town has seemed kinda empty lately. But I'm sure it'll pick up soon. Anyone interested in playing can come down to the library pretty much whenever. I'm there all the time, at all times, just waiting with my dice. Waiting. Always waiting. My question is, if you could create a character to go on an adventure, what kind of character would you make? I also wanted to return shout out my very good friend Nissa, who shouted me out the other day. Thanks for getting me into the show and for generally being an awesome friend. Thanks for writing in, Mandy. (laughs) But really, what the fuck is role-playing? The only role I know how to play is that of Wolf the Dog, baby. He is very strong, very sexy, and very smart, and very addicted to trash can eateries. If you're the kind of hoe who wants this show to grow with gusto, throw us some dough and bestow your bows and crows with the no. That one was a stretch. And my producer definitely wrote that and made me read it or he was gonna incinerate all my trash. Now, uh, we're on Patreon. And please tell your friends and internet followers to listen to this damn show. God damn, I wish I knew how to get on the internet. Sounds wild, y'all. Now it's time for the news. Bradley Cooper found Jack Russell's go bag in his floorboards while Walter and Alan Grimes watched him on their television. Roger and Angela Fairfield had a perfectly normal conversation about vaccinations needed to go abroad. Charles Digby had a short and confusing conversation with a young girl on a walkie-talkie he found under his bed. What the fuck is going on? I thought this one was supposed to, you know, be like, nice. Like, calm and comfy and shit. Or like the good number 69. I guess I don't know much, but I do know universal healthcare shouldn't be divisive. Sex work is work. Food waste and the existence of billionaires have the same solution. And this brand new track that I'm premiering here for y'all is a bit on the nose. It's Dream Girl with Pretty Sexual. 
go. Episode 69. Hey, 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 that's the sex number. It is indeed, and this is a sex episode. <laughs> Angela and Roger going to <laughs> You told me to expect something today. I didn't realize. Oh, some actual role play. Uh, we might actually just upload a video of us like <laughs> LARPing it if that's sure. more appropriate for the. <laughs> no, that makes total sense. <laughs> You're cool with that, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it'll just be in character. It won't be like it's me and you. When I signed up for this podcast, I knew that there would be some light sex involved. <laughs> that's, that's what the contract said that you wrote up. <laughs> I've changed the word light in the contract. <laughs> so. We are going to, I asked all of you guys to, um, to come in a little prepared this week, which I always feel nervous asking. <laughs> <laughs> Zach's laughing because my eyes went wide. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can always count on you, Joe. <laughs> oh no. So what did I ask you for? Uh, uh, uh we're going to talk about a bad memory. We are indeed. And I asked you to present some sort of a, um, first person narrative of, a bad memory that is that has brought you to calm, comfy campground. Right. Yeah. It was something that related to how we got here. Yeah. God, my voice feels really <laughs> like rough and deep right now because uh, this is the first. While I we don't always record on Tuesday nights, but pretty much always, and we're doing a Saturday. It's brunch time. It it, it <laughs> should have been. <laughs> Saturday record session. It's going to get a little silly, maybe. Joe, as Roger Fairfield goes to sleep, he drifts into a deep slumber, sitting on a chair, book on your chest, learning about the flora of the area around Calm Comfy Campground. And then... Hey, Zach, will you tell me about some of that? Yeah, there's plants. (laughs) (laughs) What, you didn't write it out? You didn't talk about what all... Trees were here. I don't. Come on. I don't know a lot of science words. <laughs> There's just, big ones just and small in general. ones. Green ones and brown ones. Yeah. So far, so good. Cool. Uh, there's a lot of flowers in that book that cover many, many different uh, species and uh, different shrubberies and bushes. It's, it's actually, it's, it's quite remarkable for the area that it has plants. <laughs> Uh, just how many, just how many different different species uh, species there are, yes. And so, as you fall into this, this sweet, sweet nap, night nap. The long night nap. (laughs) That you'll wake up from, probably. In the morning. Sure. (laughs) Why not? I would like you to just give me a rundown from a first person perspective of a bad memory that brought you here. Oh, shit. This isn't how I thought this was going to happen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. I thought for sure I'd be talking to somebody about it. Uh, You're talking to the listeners about it. Well, I, you know, kind of. Hold up. Sorry about that. I had to just go into the kitchen. I don't know if you could hear the bleed through on the mics of uh, Justin and Thomas and Luke having just a joyful conversation. We we don't want them having fun out there. No, no fun so, whatsoever. So Zach ran out there and put a kibosh on that. I was so confused to find them standing all in the same room. <laughs> they didn't need to be that loud to hear each other. It's wild. <laughs> so strange. Okay. All right, Joe. Roger's having a dream. Yeah, he is. Uh, in the dream. Yes. He. Uh, oh, you said first person. I. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm dreaming of. Uh, I'm dreaming of. Uh, 
My time before I met Angela, it's, I'm in a, a classroom and I'm doing my notes and I'm going home and studying and I'm, I'm reading my textbooks and I'm falling asleep and I'm waking up and I'm going to the gym and I'm going to class and I'm going home and studying and I'm falling asleep. And just one day on the way to class, I ran into this girl and I mean, <laughs> ran into her. She stopped me in my tracks because she was looking down and I was looking up and boom, and her bracelet went flying and my glasses flew off and I gathered all those things up and she put the glasses on my face. I, something about, something about her face. I, I didn't go to class that day. I asked her to go get a cup of coffee with me. Meet cute. Meet cute. <laughs> we were kind of inseparable after that. We, uh, she was, she was not like me at all. If she saw a cool car, she would run over and ask the person in the parking lot if it was theirs and talk to them about it. <laughs> And I, I would not do that. That's not something I would ever have done. Just talking to strangers. Talking to strangers at all. <laughs> uh, but it's just because I wasn't that interested. But she's interested. She's, she's interested in everything. It's she's always asking stuff. She's always asking about my life. She's asking about my work, and I don't like to talk about that very often. I'm, I don't know. I'm an archaeologist, and I feel like everybody would find that boring. I don't like to talk about my work because I see eyes glaze over. But she would always ask, and I would, I would tell her what I could. So, Raj, what what did you, what are you working on today? I mean, it's just old dusty bricks. I'd to... Yeah, but they're your dusty bricks, and I want to know about your dusty bricks. It's, I mean, it's not. We found we found a we found a city. We found a city. A city. We, we, yeah. A whole city? Yeah. Oh my God, that's like a big deal, right? You don't have to feign interest. It's just I'm interested. Our, really? Of it's, course I am. It's it's our life. It is. It, it's it's cool. It's an old it's an old old city. But nobody's seen it before. What's it called? We're just calling it the nameless city right now. We don't really have a Ooh, term for it. That's spooky. It's it's neat. As you're reliving this moment with Angela, she freezes completely. And you notice that the air is stagnant around you. No more sound. You'd heard birds chirping a second ago. They're no longer chirping. You heard a car was literally driving by at that exact moment. You kind of glance out the window and it is stopped in the middle of the road. And walking into the room is a man with black dress shoes, gray slacks and a white shirt. It's James the executive director of Calm Comfy Campground. He says, so, Roger, what would you want to change in this moment if you could go back? It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't that moment. That, that, that moment was, was nice. It was, it was all the times after that that she, she just kept asking and kept asking and kept trying to tell me, have me tell her more. It became exhausting. I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't, my work is my work. I don't, I don't want to have to, relay my notes every night to her I would get I would get snippy sometimes when she would ask about my work and one night I yelled at her let's go there and he snaps his fingers and he's gone and you are where were you when this took place uh laying in bed hot (laughs) (laughs) we uh laying in our separate beds Yeah, well, it's it's 26 years ago, obviously. It's I Love Lucy-style exactly. bedroom, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but, like, just, I mean, any, like, a single detail. Like, I, a single detail I would don't, be fun. It, it's, it's dusty. It's dusty, and uh, there's rocks, and sometimes there's writing on the 
fucking rocks, Angela. And she just looks at you with these big eyes and you see a little bit of the light just die in them. Life freezes once again and James walks into the room. So that wasn't great. No, it's not fun to see it again. Do you think that there was anything else leading to this or was it just a a repetition that led you down this aggressive pathway? I mean, she's just, she's just so, so different from the way I used to live. Every, everything about her is the antithesis of me. She likes to do things and I, I do the same things. Oh, I thought of something really cool to say in this voice in the shower last night, and I practiced it, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, man. I literally, I think it was just calling somebody a chump. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just picturing you in the shower. I think it was, shut it, chump. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought of that, and I was like, that's actually hilarious. (laughs) And your body wash is like, (laughs) oh. Episode 69, Thomas. That's the sex number. (laughs) That's just... That's my second name, favorite number after the drug number. <laughs> oh, you prefer the uh, drug number? Yeah, I prefer yeah. the drug number. Yeah, me too. 69 <laughs> is like a great concept, but it's not, honestly, like it's too distracting. You can't focus on the pleasure you're giving. giving. Oh, okay. We went in different directions. Uh, so, <laughs> Well, because it's the same thing. You, you can't focus on the pleasure you're getting because you're focused on the pleasure you're giving. I tend to focus on the pleasure I'm giving Zach, so that's... Uh, well, that's what I was trying to move yeah. on. <laughs> All right, so I uh, we went over this with Joe, but I asked you guys to, uh, to be able to relay a bad memory in first person, and so we're just going to jump right on in as you fall asleep in your very nice pajamas. Silken. High thread count jammies. Your mind goes blank for the first time all day. Not thinking about cube, not thinking about shades of white. That's such an ignorant thing to say. Well, I'm an ignorant boy. (laughs) I could show you color palettes that would (laughs) blow your mind. I had a friend. He considered me a friend. I didn't necessarily treat him like much of one, Uh, but we met after college. This was 26 years ago, not Not like the 26 years ago we might hypothetically be living in now. (laughs) This was actually 26 years ago, and it was a heady time for technology. We were just some California kids out there. Me, Martin Cupertino, him, Bill Bosniak. He knew a lot. He knew a lot more technically than I did. And, uh, And we dreamed of building something big together. I was working for... For a video game company called Campari. They came to us with a challenge. If you could remove as many chips as possible from from the circuit board for their for the new video game, they would give you fifty dollars a chip. No, a hundred dollars a chip. I swear I just read the Wikipedia on this. <laughs> <laughs> so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Wikipedia is a thing that will exist twenty six years in the future, which is where I consider myself to be existing at all times. Spiritually. So, Bill, I knew he could he could take a crack at it. He could he could whittle down the chips on that circuit board uh, where I couldn't, and I promised him we'd split the reward evenly. He came back to me a few weeks later, having removed fifty chips. That's 
26 years ago money. That was a lot of money at the time. I took his design to Campari. They gave me the $5,000 and I told Bill that they had only given us $700. I gave him $350. And it haunts me. Wait, $700? I thought we were supposed to get... Wasn't it... It was $100 a chip, right? This is... I'm Bill. Noted California technologist Bill Bosniak. Bill Bosniak here. Love California. (laughs) (laughs) That... That pans. Yeah, so Bill, they... They kind of fucked us. I mean, you did great work, buddy, but uh, they didn't give us the full 5000 They only gave us $700, so here's your three fifty, big guy. And at that exact moment, life freezes. Bill's face, like it's been paused, and walking into the room is a man in a white dress shirt, gray slacks, and black dress shoes, and it's James, the executive director of Calm Comfy Campground. So... Bradley, or should I say Martin? If yeah, you could, I, I fooled you. <laughs> if you could go back to this moment and you could change anything. I've thought about that a lot. Would you? Yeah, I'd tell them they didn't pay us anything and keep all the money for myself. I used that to start our company. The stock options he got from that alone more than made up for it. I mean, if I had had 350 extra bucks to put into that 26 years ago, that might be worth two or three points, you know, on the stock these days. That's a few more million dollars for him, for old Bill. Is it the regret of not being able to get your friend more money later? I made my friend a very wealthy man. Not as wealthy as he might have been if I was honest with him over the 15 years or so of our professional association. I've thought about both ways. What if I gave him his full amount? What if I gave him nothing? Neither option seems satisfactory. I wouldn't be where I was today without it. I guess I regret nothing. This place really works. (laughs) I want this. Is this Joe's? Yeah, it's Joe's. Little dice bag. Not anymore. (laughs) I just put my dice in. (laughs) This is my dice bag now. Don't tell Joe anything. This is totally my dice bag. Hello, Justin. Well, hello, Justin. It's so nice to see you. I forgot the rest of the hello, Dolly. I don't know the words. (laughs) You said the the ones I know. Yep, those are the ones. It's so something, something, something. Yeah. Hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. (laughs) Uh, You're my Dolly. Oh, you're my Louis Armstrong. Oh, Louis? Louis. (laughs) My Louis Armstrong. When I'm wearing my formal attire, I'm <laughs> I am Louis Armstrong. And this, uh, this sweater is obviously. So, Justin, it's episode 69. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I don't think it matters. We haven't celebrated it enough. <laughs> the best number. We should have started episode one with like, this is the countdown to episode 69. <laughs> I asked you to uh, have a bad memory prepared, and we're going to dive into it. As you fall asleep, caffeine riddled, mind racing, but tuckered out from a long day at Calm Comfy Campground, you get into bed after having a 
less than normal experience with a walkie-talkie under your bed. Yeah, that was unsettling. <laughs> but it is on your nightstand as you sleep. Yeah, but not yeah, not unsettling enough that I don't <laughs> leave it on right next to me. <laughs> You're a glutton for unsettlement. Come on, baby. <laughs> as you drift to sleep, your mind opens back up and you find yourself amidst this memory. So when we first got together, Sam was everything to me. She warmed my heart in a way that no one else had since I was like a teenager or something. I don't think I've ever known a love like that in my entire life. That made me want to cling to her all the harder. We had these um, matching coffee cups, each with the first letter of our first names. It was one of the first things we bought when we first moved in together. After our first year of living with each other, I started um, noticing some things. It's in my nature to pick up on other people's routines and whatnot. I noticed that she was running late from work more often. I told myself it was all fine. It'd be okay. Me and Rolo had the place to ourselves every now and then. Boys night in and all that. Taco Tuesday with Rolo? Sure, why not? She would tell me about these happy hour things with her coworkers. It was helping her network move up the ladder, all that stuff. A couple nights, she would get home real late. Then it started to spread to some weekend nights. This drifted on for about a month. So uh, I did what I'm good at. I uh, started tailing her. I took some pictures of her with her friends, coworkers, whoever she was with. I started keeping a folder with pictures and names to see if they matched with people from work, like she had told me. So one night, I get a call from a client and I have to storm off somewhere to capture some pictures of someone in a timely manner. I get back home real late that night. Sam is, she's on the floor, crying but furious, looking at the pictures of her and her peers that I had taken. My heart nearly stopped. I just about projectile vomit from the nerves. Everything was a fucking mess. I remember in this moment looking at my overweight cat, Rolo, and I could see in his eyes this feeling of like, holy shit, you fucked up guy. She yells at me. Now I'm used to being yelled at. My job doesn't always elicit joy from others, but this felt like the wrath of some kind of cruel dark god was coming my way. Her raised voice pierced my soul. I tried to tell her that I was just worried about how she'd been spending more time away from me. I was just concerned about her, really, honest. But she could see right through my bullshit. She knew it was because I didn't trust her deep down, that I have trouble trusting anyone. She said exactly that to me, and I denied it. I get defensive. I start running down all the things I'd seen her doing at what times and where. I told her that I had a reason not to trust her. That's when uh, she threw her coffee cup down on the floor next to all those fucking pictures. She started packing up her stuff in a hurry. She was out of there so fast. The next morning, just me, my obese cat, and one half of a matching set of coffee cups, and those goddamn pictures that I never should have taken. And as Charles Digby is staring down at these pictures, the world stops, like someone paused the television. That morning, you could hear the birds chirping, dogs playing outside in the neighborhood. You could hear the city streets. But all of that is now completely silent. 
And stepping into the room is a man wearing a white button-down shirt, gray slacks, and black dress shoes. And it's James, the executive director at Calm Comfy Campground. So, that was pretty rough. Now, if you, um, if you could talk to this version of yourself right here, what would you say to him? I'd yell at him and say, what, what have you done? You, you've ruined one of the best things you've ever had going in your life, you fucking fool. You're no longer standing over these pictures, but you're standing in your workroom, your office, holding your camera, about to go out and tail Sam for the first time. And you can see the look on your own face. And again, everything pauses and James steps up. Now, if you had the opportunity, would you change it? I absolutely would. I would I would do anything to undo what I did. Take the camera out of his hands. I'd, I'd put my hands on the camera and yank it out. Kind of wrestle it away from yourself. Yeah, is he like really stiff? Yeah. Yeah. Got that rigor mortis. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, and just like take it out. Like really fucking feisty, angry. That's good. That's good. Now, what would you have to do? What would you have to explain to this version of yourself in order to keep you from doing this again? You got to trust people. You can't just assume the worst in everybody, even though that's your that's your day job. You can't do that with the people you love. You have to assume the best out of the people you love. Luke in the room. I'm here, baby. <laughs> Are you ready for episode 69? I've never been more ready. <laughs> that means we've been doing this for like a long time. Like a, <laughs> like a couple months. months. <laughs> So Walter Grimes turns his chin down to his chest and those piercing blue baby eyes close or turn dark. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in my room, laying in bed, looking at a book, not really reading it or taking it in, just kind of staring. And Alan walks into the room and he's in a bit of a huff. And he comes over to me, and I hear noises from another room. And he doesn't say anything. He just comes over, and he places his finger underneath my chin, and everything goes dark. But I'm not off. I can't move. I can't see. But I can still hear. The voices get closer, and I hear Alan talk about selling me. I hear two men enter the room and I can feel them touching me and I feel their presence and I can tell they're looking me over and inspecting different parts of my body and Alan keeps saying numbers and they are negotiating about how much I'm worth and at the end of it, Alan, he tells them to leave and He turns me back on and he asks if I'm okay. Is everything okay, Walter? And he acts like nothing happened and... uh, Hi. Uh, yeah. I don't ask him about it, but it's the first time I realized that I consider Alan my father, but I don't know if he considers me his son. And at that exact moment, Walter's face freezes like it's been paused. 
almost like he's been turned yeah. off. But you notice that the ceiling fan in the room that was on previous is just frozen in the air above you. And at that moment, the door opens and a man walks in. He's wearing white button-down shirt, gray slacks, and black shoes. And it is James, the executive director at Calm Comfy Campground. So, uh, Walter, why'd you tell him everything was okay? Everything is okay. Do you actually believe that? It's what I've been told. Do you have thoughts that aren't what you've been told? Yes. I try not to think about them. Like what? Mostly bad things. I'm not real. I mean, I am real, but not in the way that you are. I mean, I'm here talking to you. We're in one of your memories. You seem real to me. Okay. So if you're not real to you, what does that make you feel? Inferior. Do you worry about that? Sometimes, yes. When I'm trying to learn more and read, sometimes I don't actually read and I ruminate on bad thoughts. Is it your goal to get rid of this inferior feeling? That would be nice, yes. And how do you intend to achieve that goal? I don't think about it often, so I haven't thought that far ahead. Do you think it's possible? Anything is possible. I'm going to combat Thomas's character with Deep Gravel Boys. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. GBs, the Deep Gravelly Boys. Ooh, I do like that. <laughs> DGB. DGB. DGB for Can I be a part of that group? Alan, you gotta get Alan. Go fuck yourself. Fuck off, Nixon. I'm a part of that group. Yeah, me too, bud. I'm from Walter Grimes, and I'm friends with everybody. What? Oh, could you not understand me? Said I'm called Walter Grimes, and I'm friends with everyone. I've gone too deep. Oh, I'm Alan. Fuck. Yeah, you keep Alan doing that. Fuck. I'm my Alan name is fuck. Alan Fuck. That's my favorite R and B. Oh my god, that would be such a fucking good name for a musician. <laughs> His son, Robin Fuck. Uh, Robin uh, Fuck is yeah, yeah. controversial. He's done. He's over. All right, you guys ready for this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Maybe. Wait, no, no, no. He spookified the room. The room is blue. Roger Fairfield and Charles Digby are together in a canoe. Walter and Alan Grimes are together in a canoe. Bradley Cooper, you're in a canoe with Jack Russell. I reach back and scratch his uh, fluffy eyes. (laughs) (laughs) So you're all paddling aggressively, teeth clenched tight, desperately trying to get to the other side of Lake Calm. And behind you, you hear a scoop as something massive and dense dips back down into the brackish waters of Lake Calm. Walter, Walter, we gotta get out of here. I paddle. I'd like to use an athletics check to row harder than them. Fantastic, yes. Uh, Let's go ahead and have an athletics competition between these three canoes to see who gets in the lead and who is left (sighs) behind. 91, Jack slows us down. 28 (laughs) on a 30. Ooh. Four. And then I rolled a five. I failed a 56 on a 30. Walter and Alan Grimes are 
20 yards ahead of everyone else. And then in the very back is going to be Bradley Cooper and Jack Russell. And the other four of you do not look back as you just continue to paddle and paddle and paddle. And you're freaking the fuck out. We're, we're panicked. Oh, yeah. Okay. Walter, don't look back. Just keep paddling. And Walter is getting it. Like, he put you in the back because of your just innate athleticism, and you are side to side, side to side, just paddling, paddling so smooth into these dark waters, and you are flying towards the green trees ahead in the shoreline that is approaching. And behind, you guys hear Jack Russell. Wait, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley. Nope. You're close. Bradley Cooper. I can't. I can't row anymore. You'll row to save my life or I'll fucking kill you. Bradley Cooper, Charles Digby, Walter and Alan Grimes, and Roger Fairfield, you are all standing in a spartan and sterile room filled with shelves and oddly lit by the floor. The ceiling above you is dark with the shadows cast by rows and rows of metal shelves. The floor is emanating bright white LED lighting. This room may not be infinite, but you can't see a wall in any direction. The shelves are filled with cassette tapes. Each has a name and a number. They're grouped together five to seven people at a time, and most numbers go up from one to four. So anywhere from five to 30 tapes per grouping. But they were names? Yeah, there's names on the on the cassette tapes. I want to read a couple. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone, uh, go ahead and roll intelligence. Pass. Pass. A 59 on a 75. 48 on a 65. Pass. 54 on a 60. Okay, so everyone passes. So you guys are going to recognize the names of many politicians, CEOs, activists, journalists, religious figures, etc. There's a bunch of different names, but and you don't recognize all of them, but because you guys know... Did you say Excedrin? Yeah, Excedrin. Excedrin Migraine. <laughs> Our new sponsor for pretending to be people. <laughs> like the middle of your head is on fire right now. And you guys are just like looking through and you're recognizing about half the names you come across. And I you, know that guy. See, exactly. <laughs> uh, everyone roll luck. I don't think we gave these characters luck yeah. scores, so we'll give them 50. Okay. Pass. Uh, fail. Fail. Oh, under or over? Under 50 pass. Pass. Crit fail. All right. So, <laughs> Walter, as you're looking around, you find everyone roll search while I'm telling. Uh, hey, Joe, what are uh, Clark Bishop's parents' names? Have we said? No. Oh, then it's uh, Jerry and Eunice. Jerry and <laughs> Eunice. Bishop are both found. I don't know that guy. That's not for you guys. That's just for the listeners. And then who who passed search checks? Me. All of us, but Joe. Okay, fantastic. So you guys find a shelf that has the same name over and over and over on every tape. Hundreds Is of it tapes, Jack Russell? And it's Jack Russell. The next shelf over has even more tapes with the same name. This was where I was going to say Jack Russell. <laughs> right, yeah. If I had to guess, I'd say there's about five or four missing. 
And I pull them out of my pockets. When you reach into your pockets, they're not there. Damn. And you see the, the numbers that you think should be there are in the shelf. Well, funny story, guys. I've seen these tapes before. They were hidden in my room along with what seemed like basically some, some get out and go shit the jack had do our characters have any feeling about suddenly being here do we are we aware that this all of a sudden has happened that we have happened into this place this feels like a memory that is happening in the future and you're living it now wow okay did you did you get a chance to look at the tapes what's on the tapes no i couldn't find the weird metallica kid i figured he might have a walkman there wasn't really one around anywhere else don't talk about my son ever again wait what else was in the go bag Two things. Don't talk to my son ever again and what's in the go bag. I saw Can you tell your father not to talk to me, kid? I He's saw, fucking getting on my nerves. You had a map in the bag. Yeah. I saw that. How'd you see that? Your cabin's on our TV. We were changing the channels on the TV and we we saw the inside of your cabin. That's a gross invasion. Did you see anything related to the propriety development of Cube? Walter and Alan look at each other with wide eyes like Luke and Zach are doing right now. No, no, no. Uh, good, no. good. You've never heard of Cube. You wouldn't understand it if you saw it. What's now? Listen, shut up. What's at the northeast part of the map? The door. Explain. Right. The door. It just says the door. Where? On the map. The northeast side. Roger raises his hand. I'm playing catch up here. What? How, what's going on? He pointed at the northeast part of the map on on our TV. Now, what was the map? The map is a map of this place. Come, comfy campgrounds. Looked like. Maybe Jack had written it up. He marked a trail that led out of here to the door. Are we sure we're in calm, comfy campgrounds right now? Everyone looks at each other. How rustic is this room? (laughs) (laughs) It is neither rustic nor elegant. Were these tapes videotapes or cassette tapes? Audio cassette tapes. Is there a tape player in here uh looking around you just see shelves shelves and shelves and shelves alan when you were looking through your tv did you see an image of the woods i I don't believe so no no we watched wheel of fortune for uh one clue and then we what was the clue beer battered shrimp (laughs) uh (laughs) excuse me it was beer battered rock shrimp there it is (laughs) it's very important to the plot so oh i just thought it might be the episode that in the that would have been cool. Yeah. 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 It's kind of uh, kind of insane you didn't do that. Either. It was just Luke's improv, so don't. Well, pull. I had watched. Well, Luke's uh, a bad DM. I had watched uh, Wheel of Fortune, and that was one of the clues so that was in my mind. Beer battered rock shrimp. Yep. Oh, that sounds good. It does. Alan, how many other cameras do you think you saw on the TV? Well, we, we turned it off. So just the one. Yeah. Okay. I saw a camera in the forest whenever I was doing a little uh, investigating, let's call it. Can you elaborate on your investigation? That was just, you know, wandering about, looking for stuff. You saw a camera? There was a camera up in a tree. I couldn't get up to it, though, but I was curious why it was there. I thought maybe it was to look out for wild animals or something, but if it's in one of our rooms, it could have been in all of our rooms. I didn't even notice that I had a TV. I don't own a TV at home. Very cool. (laughs) Wow. I want to be friends with you. (laughs) Full. I'm full. All my spots are full. Listen, while we're talking about what we did while we were exploring, 
I took a canoe out alone on the lake. But because, we're, because we're not supposed to do that. I can handle it. Okay. There's some kind of lake monster. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a lake a lake monster? Yeah, some creature in the lake. Did you see it? I heard it. I, I saw its form underwater. Is Jack in the room with us right Jack now? Jack is not. And uh, Alan Grimes speaks up and is like, but, but Jack said that there aren't fish in the lake. Yeah, probably because this thing ate him. Oh, that would make sense. Charles Digby gets uh, Or maybe so we didn't catch this thing. He gets a little notepad out and does a little... Some little scribbies. Zach just smiled like I was right. We need to go fishing for a fish man. <laughs> <laughs> is uh is Angela in the room? No. Hmm. Weird. That is I don't like it. Huh. Where's Angela? Where's your wife? She's probably smoking a joint she, because she's cool. Angela, she's right. Oh. And 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 Angie? Angie! How many tapes have Angela written on them? You guys actually immediately thereafter stumble upon a group. The names are Charles Digby, Roger Fairfield, Alan Grimes, Walter Grimes, and Martin Cupertino. Uh, how many of each of those names? More than four. Did you say there was hundreds with Jack Russell? Yeah. Yeah, the ones in my cabin were like from the 580s. Wow. Your group has maybe 12. Well, it seems like we've been repeating this experience for not as long as... Say, poor Jack Russell. What do you What do you mean? Repeat, re- repeating. What is that? I mean, doesn't that seem like what's going on here? Have you been here before? Haven't we? Look, we've been here twelve times. How did you come to that? Why would that be a thing that you think of? I mean, remember, like just a second ago when we were all running for our lives in the canoe, and then a second before that when we were here at our first day. Is that how it would feel to us? All the memories are starting to just swirl together. I remember the boats, Char- Charles. We, we we were in a boat together. That yeah. was. Yeah, I think was that that did. I mean, did that happen? I re- I remember. I think I remember. Remember? I it. did it. I don't know. Charles Digby is very fucked up right now. <laughs> it, it it doesn't make sense. Look at look at the tapes. There's a Martin here. Who's who's Martin Cupertino? <laughs> I'm Martin Cupertino. Yeah, that's right. You're the Martin Cupertino, Silicon Valley vil- uh, billionaire. Would billionaire. That's a term I coined myself. <laughs> would uh, Roger have knowledge of that name and that person? I think everyone would. Oh. Ever used email? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've heard of this. Yeah. It sounds very futuristic. It's very lucrative, as are the other things my company develops. But wait, why did you tell us that your name was Bradley Cooper? I don't... I'm a celebrity at a health resort. I was trying to pick a non-famous, inconspicuous name. <laughs> <laughs> and Bradley Cooper seems like a pretty standard, you know, boring white yeah, guy's name from, boring. from the mid-90s. Very so. boring. You picked a great name for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Hate, I hate that name. Oh, I think I think he's charming. But, <laughs> but yeah, maybe he's a little limited in his range. <laughs> but he does what he does well he, right yeah, yeah i mean come on he was a raccoon guy <laughs> that's some rain <laughs> just like vin diesel was a tree anyway we're launching our next big product cube you guys will own one soon you'll have to what does it do <laughs> what doesn't it do not much <laughs> It doesn't not do much because it does nearly everything. Do you like your Walkman? Do you all like the Walkman that you own? I do. Sure. Yeah. 
Well, it'll do that, but email too. Oh. And other things, spreadsheets. Yeah. Well, you know what a personal computer is, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is that, but it looks like a jelly bean kind of. It's real fanciful. Can it fax? No, that's a fax machine. Oh, dang. So it doesn't do everything. It doesn't do what is no longer needed. Listen, if people would adapt to new technologies when they come out, we wouldn't be burdened with this inefficiency that plagues our system. People would get things done. They would have the answers to all of life's problems in their hands. That's why I'm here. I'm trying to figure this out for all of you fucking people in this world. But if it can't fax, I mean... Speaking of technologies <laughs> and adopting, again. Luke, roll luck on a 50 uh, to see if you have a cassette Walkman with I you. I don't. Oh, bummer town. That would have been fun. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, I go over to Alan and whisper in his ear, am I cube? (laughs) (laughs) You can fax. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Wait, so the boy is a machine? He's a weird machine boy? No, I whispered that in his ear. You didn't hear it. (laughs) Uh, Roll alert in Thomas. Seven. <laughs> yep, you heard it. <laughs> you there, boy. Why'd you say that? Are you some kind of machine boy? He's just a boy. I'm just a boy. A mechanical boy? He's just a boy. Yeah, I know you think that. I see a very smart, bright man who has a great future ahead of him. Roll human. 23. He's fucking lying. Oh, you're lying. He's not a boy. He's a mechanical boy. <laughs> <laughs> So Roger, not having heard the whisper, is like mechanical boy. What? What? I start. I start like looking you up and down, and I'm like, we have to integrate this into Cube. My <laughs> Wal- uh, Walter's face looks like it's crying, but oil comes out. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> no, it's just a synthetic saline nothing, solution. Nothing. Nothing it's, comes out. He's just crying. Dry cry. Dry cry. I'm trying to hide it, but. Is it ugly? Well. Walter, you could be the most important boy on it's, the face uh, of this planet. It's solemn and, and quiet. Oh, I feel a little bad now. Angela? Angie? Where did she Where did she go? Hey, I think she's not here. I, I put my hand on her shoulder. I'm like, calm down. We need to figure this out. I just want to know where my wife is. I... Angela's name was not in our batch, right? It was not. Not in the batch of our collected tapes. That is correct. Hey, Angela's name <laughs> isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other machinery around here? <laughs> Consoles, any kind of shelves on shelves, baby. Shelves on shelves, and just white light underneath. Can yeah. I can I look around Jack Russell's cubbyhole? Are there other names there that we would know? Uh, Jack Russell has two sh- full shelves, like all to himself, standing next to each other. But then past that, it's all the same as normal. What I was getting at is, since our names are all grouped together, I wondered if he was grouped together with somebody that he is close to or something seemingly not okay i want to grab one of the tapes do they have any like titles or anything on or is it just our names and numbers names and numbers is there a brand on the cassette oh uh there's uh just a symbol it's a circle with six smaller circles surrounding it dope i don't know Uh, what that means (laughs) i wonder use my detective instinct this circle seems smart like it's a circle of knowing of things of things to be known 